Thank you so much for tuning into our podcast. You honor us by listening in, and we're grateful for you. Um, Before we begin, I just want to encourage you to not let this podcast replace the local church in your life. God has designed it so that we are to join a local church and serve that body of believers and be shepherded by the pastor of that church. And that's something no podcast can give you. And so if you're not involved in a local church, let me encourage you to find one as soon as possible. Enjoy our podcast. Chris, that feedback was coming through this mic, so I'm going to try it again. If it stops working, I'll just switch to this. Um, Psalm 139 is where we're going to start. Just like last week, we'll be looking at several passages tonight, but Psalm 139 will be our starting point. Um, since a young age, I've been a big fan of Superman. Um, I started out as a Batman fan in first grade. Um, I actually had a Batman costume for Halloween, and on all the old Batman movies, they start out with them getting their suit on, and it's like, and they, they you know show their blade and their cape and their all that, and so I actually cut the thing up so I could do that. And then my parents were very disappointed that I cut up my costume that they paid money for. Um, But in second grade, I learned about Superman, and I liked Superman a lot more than Batman. Um, And so I started dressing as Superman every year for Halloween from then on. For the rest of my time trick-or-treating, I was Superman every year. Um, The thing about Superman is that he's basically the most powerful hero in comic books. Um, He's faster than a speeding bullet, more powerful than a locomotive. He's able to leap tall buildings in a single bound. Um, Some would say Flash is faster than Superman, but in the old Christopher Reeve movie, if you saw it, um, Superman flies around the Earth so fast that it reverses the the rotation of the Earth to turn back time because Lois Lane dies. Spoiler alert if you didn't know that. But um, only about two things can hurt Superman, kryptonite and magic. Um, that, that's, that's his only two weaknesses. And that's the fact, is that even the most powerful being in the world has a weakness. Even the, most, um, even, even the greatest characters have some kind of weakness. The richest man can't use his money to fix every single problem. The most powerful king can't guarantee he won't get assassinated. The unsinkable ship, the Titanic, can't survive an iceberg. Um, The world's strongest man even has his limits on what he can lift. Um, God is the God of no limits. He's the most powerful being in all of existence, and nothing will overcome him. So we've been looking at the attributes of God. Last week we looked at his infinite nature. Tonight we'll look at his power. How powerful is he? So we're going to look at four of God's attributes tonight um, uh, that, that all relate to his power. Um, these four attributes, are again, are those attributes that, that only he has. We don't have these. Try to have these in our sin. Um, and so we'll start with Psalm 139. I'm going to read the first four verses. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. God is, we use the word omniscient 
Um, a more simple way of putting it is he's all-knowing. Omni is the prefix that means all. Um, shint comes from science, knowledge. So all knowledge, that's what God has. He has all knowledge. God knows everything there is to be known in the world. God knows how many stars there are in the universe. He can count every single one of them. He knows even ones that we haven't discovered yet. He, he, he knows all of them. Chris, I'm going to go ahead and cut this. Um, God knows the number of sand grains on Daytona Beach. Every single one of them. And every other beach on the planet. He knows all of them. God knows the heart of every person on the planet. Every single one of us. He knows our thoughts. He knows our heart. God knows what 781,843 times 931,567 is. He just knows it right away. God knows the last number in pi. You know in geometry there's pi 3.14. There's all those numbers that run out. If there's a last number to that, God knows it. He, he, he knows it. God knows every species of animals on, um, and, and everything about them. God knows the future. He knows how many years are left in human history. He knows how many presidents the U.S. will have. He knows the day you will die. God knows you. God knows every second of your life, what you have thought, what you have done. He knows every dream you've ever had while you have been sleeping. He knows everything going on in your body right now. He knows every blood cell in your body. He knows all of them. More than this, God knows all possibilities of things that could happen. God knows, he knows what the world would be like if Columbus had never found this land that we stand on right now. He knows how that would have affected history. He, he knows how your life will turn out if you hadn't married your spouse if you take J.R. Winroad home tonight instead of Chula Widdenmill Road, he, he knows the, the different things that are going to happen along the way. He knows um, it, how your life would have turned out if you hadn't finished high school. He, he, he knows um, the outcome of every fork in the road, whether you go right or go left. He knows all of that. We try to have all knowledge. We want all knowledge. You know, I read a lot. I love to read. It's my hobby. Um, I've gone through 12 books this year already. Um, but my temptation, if I'm not careful when I read, is that I want to know everything. I want to be an expert on every single topic in all the world. And I'm just not capable of that. And I will, um, I will waste my life if I make that my goal. We expect others to know everything, don't we? We, it's the stereotype of where a spouse expects the other to be able to read their mind, right? Adrian and I tell couples, um, you're, you're not allowed to have an expectation in marriage that you do not voice because your spouse cannot read your mind. They do not know. I cannot read your mind. You cannot read my mind. We have to tell each other things because we don't know everything. You know, you think about the 24-hour news cycle. It's insane. Anchors have to keep talking about the same news story over and over and over and just add in a little new detail here so that they can keep this going for 24 hours. Let's just get back to having an hour of news every night and stick with that. That'll work best. Um, because people have a sinful desire to know everything going on in the world all the time, they keep this thing running from 12 a.m. to 12 a.m. every single day. If you think about gossip, we love to gossip, don't we? Why do we love to gossip? 
because we want to know all the details in everyone's life and we want to share those things with others because we sinfully want to have all knowledge, but all knowledge belongs to God alone. God is all-knowing. Next, jump down to verse 7 of, of Psalm 139. <clears throat> where shall I go from your spirit? Or well, where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the utmost part, uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hands still lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. If I, shall, if I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. God is all-knowing. God is also all-present, omnipresent. He's in all places. He's present at all times. Um, there's a difference in this and what a lot of religions in the world teach. Uh, many Eastern religions, like Hinduism, believe God is part of everything in the world. So uh, this pulpit is part, of who, is part of God. God is making up this pulpit. The chair you're sitting in is part of God, according to these religions. Um, everything in the world is part of God. He does not exist in all places. He is all things for, for them. Um, God, God is not a being outside of creation for, for them. He is creation. When we die, we become part of Him. That's the whole concept of um, nirvana and, and all of those things. Um, it's the concept of Star Wars with the Force. You know, the, the Obi-Wan Kenobi dies and he becomes one with the Force. Uh, they got that from Eastern religions like Hinduism. We don't believe God um, is a part of everything. We believe He's in all places. He's, he's present in all places. All of God is present in all places at all times. Because He is not bound by time, God is present right now at Moses parting the Red Sea, the fall of the Roman Empire, the Protestant Reformation, World War I, your birth, your death, all other events in history that have been and ever will be. So if I had a whiteboard up here and I drew a timeline beginning to end, let's say I drew a timeline of, I don't know, World War II, and I can step back and I, I can see the beginning to the end. I can see all of those things. That's how God is. He's over all of time. He's, he's, he, he can see it all. He is present in all places of the world. He's present here now. He's present in the McDonald's on Tiff Avenue. Um, he's in the White House right now. He is at the Taj Mahal in India. He is in the most remote rainforest in South America right now. He's present with Caleb in Panama. He's present, he's present with um, all of our people that are in their homes right now. Like, like he's, he's everywhere. He's present in all those places. We try to be omnipresent. We try to be all places, but we can't. We want to be in multiple places at once. There's a new fear that young people are experiencing called FOMO. How many of you have heard of FOMO? Sydney, thank you. you. What is FOMO? Fear of missing out. Yeah, fear of missing out. The fear of not being somewhere and missing out on something big. That's the fear. That's the whole appeal of something like Facebook. Families will get together at Christmas time. They sit together in their living room and they don't talk to each other. They all scroll Facebook together. 
there's a Adrian and, and I Adrian watches a, the the Tim Allen show last man standing I, I watch sometimes if I'm in there with her when she's watching it and um and I actually saw that they make fun of that in this one episode and Tim Allen's just standing there looking at his three daughters like what are they doing and the daughters start texting each other about how annoyed at their father they are and he's like standing right there over them um that's what we do it it gives the facade that you're in multiple places you can see all of your friends' lives at the same time. You can see, what, you can see how someone remodeled their, their bathroom, and then you can see what someone's eating for dinner, and then you can see uh, the new milestone in somebody's kid's life. Then you can see what Tupperware someone is selling. I got these people on my Facebook that sell Tupperware. They post like 40 things a day selling Tupperware. Leave me alone. Um, but, but all of this at the same time, at the same time, it makes you feel like you're in all those places, but you're not. We're confined to one spot here on earth at one time, and we cannot escape that. You and I can only be in one place at one time, and that's it. God is all-knowing, and He's all-present. Thirdly, turn to Jeremiah 32. <clears throat> Jeremiah 32 Verse 17. Ah, Lord God, it is you who have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. Nothing is too hard for you. You made the heavens and you made the earth. I haven't even made something, the, the smallest thing in this world. You have made literally the heavens and the earth. Nothing is too hard for you. God is all-knowing. He's all-present. He's also all-powerful, omnipotent. He's all-powerful. God is able to do anything. He's unstoppable. Of course, he, can't, he cannot do things that are against his nature. He cannot, um, a lot of times skeptics will pose, you know, theoretical questions. Can God sin? Can God die? How about this one? Can God make a rock too heavy for him to lift? They'll ask that one a lot. And when I hear that, my answer to that question is always, you know, if he could make a rock that's too big for him to lift, he'd just drop it on your head for, answer, for asking that question. He can't do things that are against his nature, but that doesn't make him not all-powerful. Nobody is stronger, faster, or more powerful than God. We try to be all-powerful. We try to do that. We think we can do anything, and nobody can stop us. You see it all the way from a politician thinking they have all authority down to some doofus middle school kid thinking he's going to go around and beat everybody up. But people want all-power. Um, I, I go to the gym and, and, and inevitably at the gym, um, when I was a kid, I would go to this gym in my hometown and I would go in the weight room and I'd lift and, and, and I'm just like, I'm not lifting that heavy of weights. I'm just trying to be healthy. I'm not trying to be a bodybuilder. And there would inevitably be this guy that would come up to me. Hey, let me help you out there. And it's like, he's got to show off his strength. Look how strong I am. Um, we're not all powerful. We have limits in our strength. We can't do everything. Only God can. Fourth and final. We said God is all-knowing. He's all-present. He's all-powerful. Um, go to Psalm 115. There's actually three verses I want to hit here. I'm going to have you turn to one, and then I'll just read the other two. Psalm 115. Psalm 115. 
verse 3. Um, and then let me hold my spot in two other places. Um, Psalm 115, verse 3. Our God is in the heavens. He does all that He pleases. And then Psalm 33, verse 11. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of His heart to all generations. And then finally, Isaiah 14. Isaiah 14, verse 24. The Lord of hosts has sworn, as I have planned, so shall it be. And as I have purposed, so shall it stand. God, finally, fourth quality, God is sovereign. God is sovereign. He is, think, a reigning king. That's what a sovereign is. A sovereign is the, is the one who reigns over a nation. God is sovereign. God rules and reigns over everything in the universe. He, he, he reigns. Sinners are saved by his sovereign power. Blades of grass wither by his sovereign power. Jesus says in Matthew 10 that not even a bird in the most remote rainforest falls and dies without the Father knowing. He's sovereign. God is the ruler of all things. Nothing happens in the world without his say-so. Even things that seem completely random. Proverbs 16.33 says, The lot is cast, but the Lord makes the decision. So when you flip a coin, God determines does it land on head or, heads or tails. When you roll dice, um, it, he, he determines one, two, three, four, five, or six. He determines that. So of course, in that situation, we have to ask, how does that play along with, with our freedom to make our own decisions? That's a question we have to ask. Do I have freedom to make my own decisions, or does God sovereignly direct my decisions? And my answer is yes. Yes, both. Acts 4, 27, 28. Uh, let me actually read that passage. I have it summarized in my notes, just because I don't want to mess it up. Um, Acts 4, referring to the cross, the most important event in human history. Acts 4, 27, 28. For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both, um, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, to do whatsoever your hand and your plan had, had predetermined to take place. So the, the people are responsible for it. They, they did it. But it was all a part of God's plan. It's, it's like this connecting truth, these things that don't seem to make sense. We have the freedom to make our own decisions, yet God has planned all things. Makes no sense, but there's a lot of truths that we believe as Christians that don't make any sense when you look at them together. Um, God is three, but God is one. Okay, so is He one being, or is He three gods? Well, both. He's one God, three persons. Jesus, when he was on earth, he was 100% God, 100% man. Okay, so does he know all things? Well, he is born and he grows up and learns all things. Yet he knows all things. He, he, um, he's the God who never sleeps, who never slumbers, but he gets tired as a human. How in the world does that work? There's a lot of things we believe like that that make no sense. And one of them is that God is sovereign over all things, yet we have the freedom to make our own decisions. They don't seem to connect, but they do. So, 
God is all-knowing, God is all-present, He's all-powerful, and He is sovereign. What are some common mistakes people make with these doctrines, with these attributes of God? Well, the first of all is what we just talked about, losing the balance between God's rule and reign and humans' freedom. If you take one or the other away, you lose something. If you take away His sovereignty, you have a God who is not in control. And literally everything that's happening in the world, He, he doesn't have any say-so in. That's a scary world. But then you take away freedom, and God is responsible for terrible things that people do. So if you take away freedom, God is responsible for, for Hitler killing all the Jews. And that's not true. Hitler's responsible for that. Secondly, denying one of these attributes because having them would be a hard pill to swallow. So, for example, God knows all things. I was in a class in college um, in my religious studies um, training. It was on the life and teachings of Paul, and we were discussing this very attribute that God knows all things. And I defended in class, God knows all things. And a girl in class said, if God knows all things, he knew Adam and Eve would, would eat from the tree, and he still put that tree there, and that doesn't make him a good God. Okay, so you have to ask the question then, which would you rather have? Would you rather have a God who creates Adam and Eve knowing they're going to eat from the tree? Or would you rather have a God who doesn't know the future and isn't really um, sure how everything's going to turn out for you? That is, God doesn't know how COVID's going to turn out. As far as God knows, COVID is still 10 years away from being done with. Um, We've we got to pick which one we'd rather have. It may be a hard pill to swallow that God created Adam and Eve knowing that, that, that they would sin, but He did because He knows all things. We cannot deny His attributes just because we don't like the implications. Often that produces a worse scenario. So why do these matter? Why, do, why does any of what I just told you matter? Why does it matter that we believe these things? Let me just give you a little... Um, little good news from each one of them. God is all-knowing. That is, God knows you. He knows all about you. He knows you better than you know you. That's an encouragement and a warning. It's an encouragement because God knows your future. It is not unknown. God knows every detail of every day you have left of your life. He knows it all. And He knows the joys you will experience in eternity forever. He is overjoyed knowing that you will experience that for all of eternity with Him. He knows all those things. One of the passages of Scripture I'm trying to memorize this year is Psalm 139.16. Um, let me see if I can do it. Um, I slipped my mind. Um, I'm just going to turn there. That means I haven't memorized it yet, right? Uh, I'm going to know it as soon as I see it, too. Um, your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. God has known every single day of our life since before we were formed in the womb. He has known all of those. He's known everything that we would experience in life. He knows you. So the reason that's such a thing that I'm trying to memorize this year is that I have a tendency to get frustrated when things aren't going my way. I don't know if I'm the only one, but, but I have a tendency to get frustrated when things aren't going my way. And so I want to continually come back to that verse and say, hey, whatever I'm frustrated about right now, God knew I was going to experience this before I was formed in my mother's womb. So just, just be okay with it. But it's also a warning that God knows all things. You cannot hide from God. 
You can't hide from him. He knows every evil thought of your heart. So stop trying to hide. Just confess it. There is so much freedom found in just confessing your sins and not pretending like they're not there. God is all-knowing. God is all-present. Why is this important? Well, you are never alone. You're never alone. Everywhere you go, God is with you. Every day of your life, God is with you. When you rise from bed to when you go to sleep, He is with you. All night while you sleep, He is keeping you alive. He's keeping your heart beating when you're doing nothing but laying there. God also sees you when, you're, when you sin. Think about that next time. When you're mad at someone in traffic, God is in the car with you. When you are in a bad mood, God is with you the whole time. When you're completely apathetic about the things of God, He's right there with you. He is present in our worship services. People often say, um, God showed up in that worship service. And they usually mean, well, the music was really good, or I got goosebumps, or something like that. But God isn't just present in the worship service when the music is really good, or when you get goosebumps. He's there all the time. He's present in all places. So when you sing on Sunday, sing knowing God is there with you. When you pray, Pray knowing God is there with you. When I preach, know that God is there with you. He's there. God is all-powerful. Why is that important? Well, God is completely capable. There's nothing He can't do. There's nothing. God is not prohibited from coming to your aid when you need Him. God can do immeasurably more than you can imagine. Ephesians 3, He can do immeasurably more than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. So pray like this is the God you pray to. We don't, we don't pray to a puny God who just needs us to pray to Him because He wants someone to talk to Him. We pray to a God who has all of the power in the universe to do anything. That's the God we pray to. So when, when I was with Bobby Summers just a few minutes ago, I, I took her hand and I prayed for her and I asked that the Lord would make her better and that she would continue to have more and more days believing that God can do that because He's all powerful. He's all, he's all powerful. And, and then go work for Him and serve Him like He's this God, the all-powerful God. The, there's, there's a famous missionary, William Carey. He was the father of the modern missions movement. He was a missionary to India. His, he's quoted as saying, Expect great things from God. Attempt great things for God. Expect that God's going to do incredible things and then go attempt it and see if He does it. And William Carey, that's the story of his, of his missionary work. He was there in India. He served there and preached for seven years before anybody got saved. He went to India... Nobody had gone there up until he went. He goes there by himself and as a missionary, preaches and serves, and he serves for seven years before seeing any results. I would have quit long before that. But he keeps going. Why? Because he believes that the all-powerful God would work. He expects great things from God. He attempts great things for God. And then finally, God is sovereign. Why is that important? Well, because God is in control. He reigns over all. We are not ruled by people on this earth, ultimately. Our lives are not in their hands. They're in the hands of God. It, our life is in the hands of the sovereign Lord. We can trust Him. 
Even when the, if the worst things happen to us, he still holds us. You read the book of Genesis and the last like 12 chapters are devoted to the story of Joseph. And Joseph had a terrible story. He's, he's um, the, the most loved child of his father. His brothers hate him, so they throw him in a ditch and then sell him into slavery. He goes into slavery. He gets accused of trying to come after the king's wife, so he gets put in prison. He spends like three years in prison, finally gets out, but then he, he, he actually gets up to be one of the king's most prominent men. And his brothers come and meet him and find out what happened. And what does he say? He says, it's okay. What you meant for evil... God meant for good. Even, the, even if the worst things happen to us, God still has a purpose in those because he's the sovereign Lord and he can do those things. God is all-knowing, he's all-present, he's all-powerful, and he's the sovereign Lord of all. This is the all-powerful God that you can put your hope in. And that's why it matters that we believe in that God. Let's pray together. Father, I praise you that you are all powerful. I praise you that nothing can stop you. You know our hearts. You are here with us now and you're reigning over our life. Lord, may we trust you. May we believe that you are the God who can do anything and may that inform how we live our lives, how we serve you, how we pray to you, and, and how we follow you. Lord, when we're discouraged, Help us to know that you're there with us and you see us. When we need you, come to our aid and be the all-powerful God. Lord, I pray for each person here. And Lord, I pray that, that you would show your power in their life in whatever ways they need. And I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.